Hello, everyone. Welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It's the 13th of... What month is it? July. It's July. Huh. Have you felt the year go by slowly? Or are you just, yeah. not, like, or are you just not like the month of July? Not, not particularly. You know, it starts uh, off on... This, very... is, this is where it's hot in Florida. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's... Uh, I don't like going outside in general. But in particular, when it's July, it's like perpetually humid and it never rains. So that makes sense. This all adds up. Mm -hmm. I have no issues with July as it is a month where there is a holiday at the start and then nothing in the middle. But this is where we get the most sunlight in the evening, which is what I am very excited about. Look at this. Nick, we're recording at 8 p.m. and the sun shines right behind me it's a beautiful if i wanted right now i could go out i could play some touch football <laughs> with the with the, with my kids my chums my my boys my gang your homies my homies i could go out we could do uh, uh oh god what was the game called where you threw a football in the air and you just shouted a number and whoever caught it got that number oh, yeah. but you could just yeah. shout bankrupt and people would still yeah. be like, got you. I said bank. Yeah. You're like, well, yeah. this game sucks. This is all arbitrary. You just pick who basically gets what. Yeah, because you could call it after they catch it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like bullshit. So I do, I do remember that there were the ones playing that and someone just kept on calling bankrupt. And it was just like, you, you can't do this. You can't just keep on doing it. Uh, although you mentioning uh, touch football reminds me. When I was in college, uh, there was this uh, dorm of guys that I'd hang out with, and uh, I went. I went to. I went to uh, University of Florida uh, for college, and uh, it was it, during Victorian, if I recall. Yeah, that's right. Uh, seven <laughs> also, degree, seven pres- pre- yeah. and president of the football uh, academy. <laughs> Won three Nobel Prizes. Um, Tim Tebow, I believe, threw the uh, game-winning touchdown in right. your state championship game. Yep. Um, so, <laughs> so the accolades I could just stick on to this. You, no you were with Simone Biles in the gymnastics uh, <laughs> Olympian team. Yeah, it was a very interesting situation considering she was like four years old at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Over young she now. was a savant nick you were honored to be her understudy oh absolutely <laughs> she's like wait bozo let me show you how it's done and then she did it she knocked that pommel <laughs> horse right over <laughs> and then she won another gold medal it was great the <laughs> point i was trying to make was the only reason it's important that I went to the University of Florida was that, yes, you mentioned Tim Tebow, which, you know, at the time, uh, the Florida Gators were a very good, uh, had a very good football team. Um, so the entire school was very passionate about supporting the football team and getting into football and stuff. So this floor of nerds that I hung out with at one point decided, Hey, we should like play some football and stuff. And so we were playing and stuff. And eventually it was like, you know, I, I really don't feel like it's good. Like that we're playing touch football. Let's play tackle football. <laughs> and none of us had any pads or oh, helmets, God. Anything. but we were, you know, invincible 18 year olds. So we didn't care. 
um i very deliberately was like hey give me the ball because i just want to feel what it's like to get tackled and it was and you know i was high on adrenaline so i didn't really mind there were at least three three relatively severe injuries that happened uh there was you're like one... it was unfortunate that i wasn't tackled instead they decided to tombstone pile driver me <laughs> which felt excessive that's a lot of prep work i'm clearly done i'm you can call the ball dead i'm not progressing anymore by the time you flipped me upside down uh on reflection one of the guys probably got the worst of it which was uh that he may have been concussed uh i i like I, it was never confirmed but i do recall hearing later that he like woke up threw up and then went back to sleep which is great that's the worst thing for yeah concussion. um but um there was one guy who like hurt his wrist and so he had he had to wear a brace on his wrist for a little while but there was another guy who like broke his ankle and had to be on crutches for a couple months and just like it, that was so the was, final which was the third injury i think it was the ankle i think okay. that was the last one okay and, and, i was going to say like one of those happened first and you guys were yeah. like hey can't make an omelet without yeah. breaking a few eggs. Second one happens like, all right, guys, let's ease up on the tackle a little bit. And then the third one, like, all right, guys, come on. <laughs> yeah, the an- the ankle was absolutely the capper where it was just like, this is probably just a bad idea. Let's just stop doing this. Let's just stop going out in the field and just, you know, oh, without wearing... different games, different games. Oh, okay. Yes, I thought this was one cursed. game. No, no, no. Like, how would you guys have not stopped after the second injury? No, and and usually it was a matter of like an injury happens and everyone goes inside and is like, let's make sure that this person's okay. But then people kept on going out to the field uh, in future days and just getting hurt. And it was just, you know, nothing was on the line. There was no, you know, concoctions of, oh, you know, we'll like, you know, start up like, you know, a, a, like a football team that'll like, you know, take on other dorms. It was just like, no, we're just like doing it for no reason. And then being like, oh, we keep on getting hurt because <laughs> it was, you know, untrained, unsupervised idiots with no predictive equipment tackling each other. <laughs> so I escaped unscathed. And uh, yes, that's the only thing, the good thing that came out of it was that I didn't go through any of that. You're like, the important lesson is that I was not hurt. And thus, we retired the touch football or tackle football champion at school. That's that's how that works. It's like, you know, it's like uh, it's like a fight. You know, the the least hurt person at the end wins. It's like that subreddit, uh, never broken a bone or whatever. Right. Yeah. The moment you break a bone, you're out. So all those people got hurt. And by default, you were the only one left to be champion. So it's like. I win. You all suck. Everyone sucks mm-hmm. but me. <laughs> I'm also very amused at the idea of a four-person tackle football league where it's just like... I mean, why would... Just one dude's like, I'm just gonna fucking go after the quarterback every time. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, that's my story. There you go. Well... I believe it is time for us to talk about manga, Nick. And we do not have My Hero Academia. No, we do not. So we will start where everyone wants to start with Undead Unlock number 118. Define. Or Deafen. If you like to pronounce it it wrong. Yeah, guess. (laughs) (laughs) Deafen. Delphi. Delphi, yes. Everyone's favorite 
hub world in the Mario franchise. Um, so Delphi Plaza. Isn't it Delfino? I don't fuck it. I didn't play it. All right, I'm not nerd. <laughs> I'm just exposing Quinn. <laughs> you didn't play Super Mario Sunshine. <laughs> I I really I played demos of it, never the full game. Oh come on! I know I'm I'm a bad person. Uh, I just tried to act like I was cool. I'm sorry. So never, we opened Mario Sunshine. It's okay, buddy. I haven't played. I haven't played a Mario like a mainline Mario game since '64. I don't think because I didn't play Galaxy yeah. and I didn't play Odyssey. I'll get to them maybe at some point. Who knows? Okay. Um, we open on Dead Unluck with a Mario tangent, and then we actually talk about the <laughs> chapter where you <laughs> ruin and Seal are basically staring up at our protagonists. We're like, "Huh? You're not supposed to be alive. I'm gonna kill you." For real this time, I guess. It's only for some reason seeing Seal from the back that makes me realize just how stupid their design is. It does. It, I don't know why. It's the two around the waist that make yeah. it look like they're wearing like a fucking seal thong, which is yeah. not what they are doing. But for some reason, it's like, huh, that looks like a dumb design coming out of like. Be uncomfortable. Every time you moved, you know, your legs, then you would just have these two long strips of oh god we're so annoying yeah maybe that's why they are so angry all the time yeah yeah it would make sense god made them that way don't god forget sucks. clip it i want you to clip this and send it to every newspaper you find god sucks this all the all the different bad things that god has done to the to the negators and everything and it's like, oh yeah but you gotta put up there near the top of the list put those paper sheets between seals butt cheeks <laughs> It's worth knowing you don't go up the butt cheeks. This isn't Eden Zero, all right? There's no, there's no space to go. It just happens to be there. Oh, it'd be more understandable that way. You could just feel like, oh, yeah, God just likes cheesecake. Yeah, like, no, God no, that's, loves... that's designed to be uncomfortable. Why that's do you it. think he gave some butts that's so desirable? It's because he likes them. That's what he's into, you know? It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Tatiana flies off. She explains, hey, Ark's room is underneath the unbreakable gate. Those guys are trying to cross it, break uh, Ark and prevent the loop. But Phil and I are going to hold him off because Phil is an important character. Never forget it. It's very clear we established that here. You guys wait for your opening to go. And Andy's like, no. Or, or Fuko's actually like, no, we're going to go get him with you. And she's like, no. You guys cannot get hurt. You guys have to go through the loop. And so it's my duty as your friend to send you off without a scratch. And she activates her untouchable area, specifically, you know, focuses it, goes and says, all right, let's go. Just keep blasting them. Uh, Ruin basically just starts spraying blood, like nonstop blood. And uh, he says, like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of unstoppable like this pretty much uh andy's like hey you're you're at a disadvantage here right now we're gonna join the fight she's like no you guys can't uh you know you're right that protecting fuko is a top priority but did you forget that guy killed fuko in under a second so please like let us help you know Tatiana's like all right fine so in that moment, Seal turns into a cloud which is a sentence you could just say in this sort of series yeah and fucking flies by and they're like, shit, that's that's not good at all. Uh, but they're like, all right, well, 
with that happening, Phil, you go take care of Seal because you're an important character. Maybe we'll get a flashback. Like we'll cut over to you, but he'll be like, "I literally the first time I read this was like, who's Phil?" <laughs> and that's a fair thought. A character who we know almost nothing about except that his power is unfeel, and that's it. And right. he seems to be a puppet boy. He's been around for a very long time. What chat chapter like? 18 something like that i think it might even be before 18 so about 100 chapters and that character has never had a significant line of dialogue yeah. I, mean, I think most of the time because he's sucking his own thumb which maybe is a character trait we'll learn about one day but uh right now just don't really know um and he's like all right it's three on one right now we'll use those odds and uh fucking Ruin just shows up and is like, nah, actually it's three on three. And about to be two on three. It sprays all of his blood. Andy dodges. But the blood wraps around Tatiana. And he just says, she's going to suffocate. I plugged up her air hole. You know, that the way she's able to eat food, I just did it. You know? However, it looks like she's clever. She's holding her breath as soon as it happens. So if she had been a few seconds too late, I would have just filled her up with blood and she would have exploded. So... But, you know, it's inevitable. She's about to suffocate and die. Um, he explains, yes, blood, shadow, and I are of one body, one mind. Neither will die unless I die. So I guess he has UMA blood and UMA shadow helping him out here. Um, Andy goes to start fighting. Uh, he cuts off his hand, I think, to launch it as a missile, which Ruin bites like he's fucking eating a big sandwich. And he's just like... Ah, shut it's useless. Um, and he just says, you know, in the end, luck is something that must exist within the realm of possibility. And since neither of you have a chance of altering the course of the situation, the future will remain unchanged. Um, Fuka's like, don't worry, Tatiana, we're going to save you. And then I don't understand how this happens because Tatiana is holding her breath. And literally, if she does not, she will die. She somehow carries on a small narrow like dialogue here about like, hey, you know, you might not think you're the right person to go through this loop, Foucault, but I believe that you are. You know, even though you had your own luck to worry about, you always put yourself out for me. And that's what made me believe that maybe one day things would actually come true. Things didn't work around for me this time, but in the next loop, if we defeat God and everyone's negator abilities go away... We can finally hold hands. And she also thinks, I'm sorry, Mr. Billy. In the end, I couldn't do anything for you. And then we just hear a shout as Billy shows up and says, Tatiana, expand your area. And she goes to do it. And Billy activates an ability called Undefinition, which is a significantly worse name than Undefined. But sometimes they're just weird like that. So I'll go with it. Um, and... Blood goes like, what the fuck? The blood's using, <laughs> losing its shape. It's definition. <laughs> They're like, yeah. Well, I, I guess he didn't shout it. I guess that's for us, the readers, to see undefinition. Um, and he just says, haven't I told you a million times to keep your sphere closed tight? Uh, and then he just announces, looks like you've been picking on my little girl a little bit. Unruin, you're about to experience an unspeakable level of humiliation, courtesy of yours truly. Otherwise, it would be unfair now, wouldn't it? And Billy has showed up to save the day with his yeah. six, six shooters. It's really cool. 
It's a it's a nice return to the, the to the good guys for for Billy. He's back in his old outfit with his sunglasses and stuff. Also, seems uh, healed. Like he doesn't have the giant facial yeah. scar anymore. Yeah. Because he returned to the side of the light. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, I was really like clenching during this chapter because we've seen so many characters die in rapid succession recently. And I know that the point, of course, is that, like, oh, well, you know, they can get everyone back if they just go through the loop. But even so, it's like, I don't want to fucking just see Tatiana die in a horrible fashion. It, don't it, do that. It's like having to watch the bad run of Mass Effect 2 before you could do the real version. Like, don't worry. The next thing, it's fine. You're like, yeah, but I don't want to watch Grunt get fucking carried off by fucking spore clouds. <laughs> like, I like these characters. I've seen enough of them die. Um, it's weird because at the same time, you will also acknowledge, like, this loop in this timeline is going to end and all these characters will die ultimately kind of. So it's kind of just a reprieve, but you'd like to hope that death can happen off screen being suggested and not directly watch Tatiana yeah. get exploded. Absolutely. The absolute horrible gruesomeness that would, that he just so casually describes, uh, they could await her too. And of course, you know, constantly cutting inside of her bubble to see her closing her mouth. Cause she's, you know, normally so powerful, but she's helpless to this. It's very distressing. Uh, and then she has just that note of like, oh, well, maybe next time we'll be able to hold hands. And it's like, oh, she's just a kid who wanted friends. And I feel so bad for her. And then Billy gets his big hero moment. And I do appreciate that he says, you've been picking on my little girl, which is like, OK, good. We're going to emphasize the like father daughter yes. aspect of this <laughs> instead of anything else that could possibly be. There's no other way to read this relationship that is clear now. Got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> you sickos, stop what you're doing. Um. Yeah. So we'll see how this turns out. But it was definitely like a really tense situation. And then you get the big moment of relief. So a very satisfying read overall. Yes. Very cool. I know some people are like. Oh, is that what Billy's ability is on definition? I doubt it. I think on definition is another thing just loaded into a six shooter. Yeah. If at this point, if his ability is not unfair, then yeah. I'm gonna be annoyed that he keeps saying it this goddamn much. Absolutely. All right, let's move over then to Kaiju number eight, chapter sixty-six. Hoshina has uh decided that he's going to do some training with Kafka and get his abilities up to par. Uh, and he takes him to a place, Ryune Shrine, this, you know, traditional like Shinto style shrine, uh, which Kafka is surprised to see. But Hoshina explains that this is a place where people who have died slaying Kaiju have been enshrined since the Edo period, That's which we're going to do a little bit more. But it's um, interesting. Uh, Hoshina says that um, so a bunch of his ancestors, in fact, are, are enshrined here. And he starts asking Kafka if, if he's familiar with the Meireki era of the Daikaiju. And Kafka starts reciting off like, oh, yes, in, in 1657, it was part of a major cataclysm that reduced the Kanto area and the majority of Edo to cinders. And back in those days, people had to fight Kaiju in a much more primitive manner than we do now. The biggest watershed battle at the time took place right here. And there's this image of this old painting of a bunch of 
samurai foot soldiers charging towards a daikaiju. And um, we didn't have any of this information until now. So the idea of, you know, Godzilla style kaiju having been part of human history for hundreds of years. I th- okay. <laughs> I think we've had some knowledge of it. Uh, Hoshina has mentioned before that his family has been doing this for generations. I don't know if we knew exactly how far back it went, but there was like a specific thing that he was part of a family that specifically dealt in like close combat fighting and that has kind of fallen and become an archaic thing now that most people just mm-hmm. use bazookas. Yes. And, uh, but it definitely relates to why he's so skilled in it. So, yep. yes. It's genetic. He just knows how to cut shit down. Yeah. Uh, Oshida says that more slayers fell here than at any other point in history. And of course, if we die, we'll be enshrined here too. Kind of gets a word up, doesn't it? He says this with a very straight face because he's Oshina. So <laughs> uh, he gets he gets sexy. He drops he drops his jacket and flexes. <laughs> Let's he's bring it all. Just it <laughs> is it is a little bit arousing. You're like, all right, I get you, Hoshina. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to calm it down a little bit. Not Let's the time, do... not the place. Appreciated. Perhaps save it for another place. Listen, it's time to get serious. I need you. To come at me and grapple my, with my lithe, muscular body. Kafka, it's time. My pecs be a poppin'. <laughs> uh, Kafka is initially hesitant, and Hoshina's like, come on, let's I just mean, go. wouldn't you be? Look at this guy. Oh my god, he's so... Ugh. Give anyone pause. Even Great cheese on those abs. Kafka thought he was straight before this. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, uh, uh. Don't run away from it, Kafka. Uh, but, um, Hoshina says, like, I want to see how much you've grown in this time. So Kafka's like, all right, let's do it. And they take fighting stances. Oh, Hoshi- Nick, is this Dick Fight Island? It's like, I want to oh, no. see how far you've grown. <laughs> so. You know what? If I start reading every single one of these lines as though it's preparation for a Dick Fight Island fight, it's, it still lines up. I'm going to be going all out. That's, That's the idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just say everything suggestively. Okay. I don't think I stand a chance, but I ain't going down without a fight. Yeah, no, this is all it's all about dick fights. I've gained a ton of experience since leaving the third division. <laughs> a lot went on in the third division. Alright. Alright. Uh Hoshina, of course, is, a, is has a much more casual stance. Kafka goes after him, and Hoshina just very casually sidesteps and dodges for a bit, and then huh, punch to the face, and Kafka immediately starts to buckle because uh, he nailed him really hard across the jaw. Uh, but Kafka gets that big moment of like, no, I can't just I can't just go down without 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 a fight. I've got to show him how much progress I've made. I'll have to sh- I've got to show him the fruits of my training and the growth I've gained from combat. I'll show. Also, also, he just keeps getting punched as he's trying to hold on to that one thought over and over again uh, until uh, Hoshina elbows him square across the jaw, knocks him back. And Kafka realizes oh, it's it's not working. Uh, I guess I, I really can't do anything without without transforming after. all. And just as he's having that thought, Hoshina looks at Kafka and says, you've gotten stronger. Uh, and he just says, like, look. 
your physique is stronger, your moves are crisper. It's clear that you have been working hard every single day. Uh, and it seems like you've been working hard here in Ariake too, but this ain't got to cut it. And he nails Kafka right in the gut, goes in for like the killing blow and Kafka tries to block it. He says, like, okay, I've got to, I've got to block it and, and lead it into my next attack. And Hoshina catches him off guard by like just lightly tapping his block. And he says, it's the same as back then. You rely too much on Kaiju number eight's high specs, like strength and regeneration. And if you keep up with that fighting style, you're going to die. You're going to become just another body enshrined here. And we get a flashback to when they fought before they fought seriously. And Hoshida just, you know, cut right into Kafka's arm when he tried to block the blow. So Hoshida just completely read him. And uh, he punches Kafka in the gut again uh, in a move that Kafka recognizes as reminiscent of Director General Isao's attacks. Uh, and Kafka stumbles over and, and falls on his ass. And Hoshina says, this is squadron-style combat technique. Hand-to-hand -hand martial arts based on long-standing kaiju-slaying combat maneuvers. The same style perfected by Isao Shinomiya. There'd be no point to you learning how to fight using weapons because you can't unleash the combat power of your equipment. So I'll drill this technique into you. I'll drill this technique into you until you're good and ready. We can't avoid your transforming, but it'll make, I'll make it a point so that you enhance your human combat abilities and limit the time you need to spend in your kaiju form. As long as we live in this country, our battle with kaiju cataclysms will continue Number nine isn't the only kaiju, and you're going to have to fight for your future and be tough enough to survive beyond this battle. So you can try and steal my place by Captain Ashiro's side. Uh, so, yeah. And uh, Kafka gets a bit worked up. He starts to kind of tear up, and he, and, uh, he says, Yes, sir! And Koshina smiles at him for a bit. And then puts him in the cross-faced chicken wing and it's like, what, what are you, what kind of response is that? You're acting like you're definitely going to surpass me, you asshole. <laughs> uh, so it gets lighthearted again immediately after that. But uh, then Hoshia says that they need to turn in for the night. And uh, Kafka's like, all right, yeah, yeah, I, I've lost track of myself because I was thinking purely about being needed as Kaiju number eight. And I forgot what's really important. I need to level up too. And uh, they leave the shrine, and as Kafka turns and he bows towards the gate, he sees a spectral vision of this semi-demonic-looking samurai. Uh, but just as he's asking, like, who it is, there's this snap of static. And then Hoshida calls for his attention, and it's like, hey, come on, let's go. And Kafka leaves and is just wondering what the hell he just saw. And that's our chapter. That it is. It's a good chapter. I like. Yeah. I really do love them building this relationship between Kafka and Hoshina. Um, it makes me constantly worried about Hoshina. <laughs> yeah. This is the role of the character who dies to motivate the hero at some point. Uh, but I, I truly do really enjoy his, his time mm -hmm. in the story and them building this relationship between them. It, it, it ends up working out to be really good stuff. Yeah, some nice callbacks to their previous confrontations 
just some very straightforward advice by Hoshina. And, you know, it's like tying into his backstory, giving it a real sense of, uh, you know, there's all this lore behind it, this in-universe history that makes it seem much more important. His legacy, legacy seem very important. And I do love that he ties it all together by saying, it's like, look, if you just keep on the path that you're on, you're just going to be another person that we remember as being brave and dying in battle. You need to survive this and build towards the future. And it's nice to have that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there is also cool samurai. Yeah, that is very cool. I'm, I'm very curious to see what that little detail is. Uh, there is technically a spy family. It's just an illustration, though. It's an illustration. It's very pretty. Of, uh, it's very cute. Okay, all the all the kids being like uh, archaeologists, basically, and uh, uh, like rangers, like forest rangers. Maybe it's hard to tell. They do have sashes, like they're they're like they're um, scouts, like scouts, kind of. Or something. Yeah. yeah, maybe. And uh, also, Damien has a flag, and he's trying very hard to pretend he's not having a good time. Yeah. So. And he's doing a good job, but you know, mm-hmm. who, who are you really trying to get at? Us or you? You know. Yeah. Yeah. I will also note before we move on to Akane Banashi, we still do not have any zero. Nope. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I, eventually, I'm just going to stop doing this little update, and we'll just let you know when we have Nin zero. Um, mm-hmm. However, I will note I have been following the spoilers. Some really, really dumb stuff is happening. So when that chapter finally comes out, I'm going to have to like blast through so much nonsense. Like yeah, they've they've already ended the fights we were in, and we've had of another course. gigantic revelation since then. I think I've... we've missed two chapters. <laughs> so. <laughs> Maybe yeah, I've, I've got I've got a couple of chapters that I need to that I actually need to go back and read because I've just haven't been bothering to keep up with it since we've had this problem. But uh, yeah. yeah, so so hopefully this will get resolved sometime soon. I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's still currently no ETA. And I think this is the last time I'm going to bring it up until it actually just comes back. Mm-hmm. But I want to note everybody I am paying attention to it. It's very, very dumb. So, you know, maybe it's just maybe it's just going to be so bad. We don't even bother. Like, maybe they will be like, you know what? We're not even going to bother translating this anymore. You guys, we're going to save you <laughs> like some, like some like merciful executives. Like, you guys don't need this. <laughs> you, you can spend your time reading anything else. It's <laughs> specifically for the benefit of two dorks who can't stop talking about something that they know is bad. <laughs> Every time a new chapter comes out, it's just a link to, to like Chainsaw Man or something else. It's slightly like a Fujimoto one shot. Like, read this instead. It'll make you think about things. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a link to like a War and Peace PDF. Like, why don't you educate yourself? <laughs> or just a picture of a butt. They're like, that's what you're here for, right? <laughs> There. You're in and you're out. Look how much more free time you have in your day. It's just a note that it comes up with. Like, hey, have you ever thought about like, you know, just like, are, are you drinking enough water? Like, it's, it's you, you really got to make sure. Is like, no, 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 not a not, not a sugary drink. Specifically, water. You got to make yeah. sure you're staying high. Unclench okay? your jaw. Your jaw is probably clenched a little too frequently. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Anyway, back to the book. <laughs> Akarebanashi, Chapter 21, Hikaru's Rakugo. Of course, last time we got to see the modern take on Rakugo, and now we see that Hikaru has her own style. Uh, so there's obviously a lot of like hubbubaloo about uh, Hikaru's performance. We are aware, of course, 
that she's got some fans from outside. The uh, reporter girl is very excited to see her perform, which wasn't wasn't she here yesterday? Didn't she see it then? <laughs> but whatever. Uh, but there are also uh, a bunch of people in the audience who are saying, it's like, who is this person? She's some sort of voice actor, whatever. She's like, an, they're upset because she's an outsider and just like, she's not even someone who does Rakugo, which like, it's an amateur contest. So, okay, dude, why, why didn't you enter? Like, fuck you. So, uh, the one judge that we've been introduced to before, who is, you know, kind of skeezy looking, uh, but he, I, I, I do, I haven't quite memorized his name yet. He notes to himself, perhaps beauty isn't always desirable because nobody who's watching her, whether they view her positively or negatively, are bothering to take her performance seriously. They are just judging her on her looks. And the audience's attention is very important to have a good performance. So Hikaru just immediately goes into her performance. She skips over the preamble. She doesn't do an introduction. She doesn't uh, do any dialogue to engage with anyone. She just jumps into the performance of it. And uh, the judge notes like, yeah, there were a lot of actors who were entered into this contest and she's the only one who made it. Uh, And he knows to himself, you know, she's got guts, especially because she's using doing this story. She is performing Shibahama, which is the story that Akane's dad performed the day that he got kicked out of the school. Uh, and, you know, obviously Hikaru is going through it. And yeah, this makes sense. Why previously uh, Karagi noted that, oh, this is going to be something that Akane is going to have to deal with. You know, immediately following. Yeah, it's the probably a, you know, a moment of great trauma for her that that happened. So. Uh, so they, they kind of reflect on this, like, why did it have to be that story that she's performing? Hikari's performance itself, like there is a lot of attention that is paid to her word bubbles uh, which is a nice note. Like, obviously, all the different performers we see, you know, in order to mark a difference between them, we see like, oh, this is done differently in, than than this one. They're putting on a different voice. But her word bubbles as she's going through the dialogue are incredibly pronounced and like demand your attention because her specialty is just performance. She's just a good dramatic actor. And as she's going through this story, this heartwarming story, she gets to a moment where, you know, the wife confesses to her husband that she has kept a secret from him. And she literally cries while she's delivering a heartfelt line. Uh, And as people are are watching this and analyzing this, they're like, oh man, she's, you know, really fleshed out this character with her performance. This actorly approach to the material makes it theatrical rakugo and i don't know where exactly this explosion is coming from that is emphasizing her someone's like oh my god that stage light just exploded watch out man also i think her hand looks a little bit weird in it like it it looks like her hand is backwards honestly so you got it she's djing 
They're both DJs. That's the interesting thing about uh, Akane's rivals this time. They're both DJing, like, just different ways. How does she hold her hand like that? Is it's like, so... Yeah, now that you say it... Is it backwards? Is no. she doing that? Well, hold on. Because I... that's the left hand, but it's her right hand. Yeah. I guess, like, that... I don't know. Fucking rock and go, Nick. <laughs> not, not to make sense. She's a finger contortionist is the secret. Yes. So. Uh, we get a flashback from the perspective of Hikaru's manager. Uh, and he just, you know, tried to say like, hey, you know, I think it would be a tough choice for you to perform Rakugo at, at this time. But she was just like, yeah, but I'm going to compete in the cup. Uh, and he's like, but you've been you've got all these projects already under your belt. Uh, and she said, yes, but all the fame that I have is because of the story I was participating in. No one cares about me or my skill. I want to test I my think, own ability. I'm sorry. Back to the hand. I think that's supposed to be her pinky on the outside. And her I thumb think on it the is. Inside. It just looks like that's the separate finger. So if we do essentially. So maybe it's just a shadow that yeah. makes it look like she's cupping. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So that's what she's doing, and then there's a shadow that makes it look like her thumb. Yeah, exactly. All right, we, we've we cracked the code. Good job, Quinn. That was very important <laughs> that, we get, that we established that. Chapter done. All right. Let's move on to Blue done Box. Fuck. <laughs> it's area, I guess. Uh, so Hikaru says that nobody cares about her own skill in terms of why she's famous now or has any fame now. She's like, I want people to test my own ability. I want to be known as, I want people to see me as Hikaru Koragi, the actor. And her manager's a good manager. He's like, look, I want her to, I, I believe in her ability and I understand why she wants to be respected. Uh, but I don't know about this. You know, this is a very different art form. It's not like just you're performing the lines of one character. You've got to do the entire thing. You've got to set the entire performance yourself. I don't know. That's a lot of work. But then he saw her uh, performing while she was by herself in a room. And she, she gets to a point where, like, her real accent comes out. And she gets really frustrated with herself because it's she has slipped up. And she just gives herself this this big affirmation like okay come on come on i'm i'm a tokyo woman i ain't one to blow a fuse uh and so she's you know gathers herself and she says i'm loads better than this i can do this and she gets back on it and her manager realizes i wasn't seeing who she was her true weapon is not her looks it's not her acting ability it's the way she throws herself at her goal with reckless abandon her hustle and grind <laughs> And uh, we get this cool shot of uh, of Hikaru with the spotlight shining on her as she finishes her performance. And everyone's like, oh, my God, she's so good. Uh, and her manager is very confident she's going to win. So cool stuff. Yes, I make I'm going to make a prediction. Uh, this is going to go very poorly next chapter. Hmm. Uh, I think the reason why they said it was really, really bad that she's doing this story for Akane is because we already seen the mask slip a little bit with Arakawa when he was mm. just like, I don't really like this. I think yeah. this is going to set him off a little bit more. So he's going to go into Akane's performance just angry because we know he has mm. a deep, deep respect for how this story is told. 
And this doesn't seem hmm. terribly far away from what Akane's father did and his version of it. He, he placed a lot of emphasis on the performance and the characters and things like that. And Arakawa clearly had an issue with that. So I think Arakawa is going to be really angry with the way she did this. Maybe he won't just be like, you stupid idiot. That's how it's done. But it's going to clearly put him in a bad like mood or something like that, I think. is I'm going to predict is going to be what happens. I like that. I think that that is a very interesting uh, prediction. Because uh, otherwise, say, what so. would be the issue with her? Like it is. I think it's actually a great choice narratively for her to do this story because it sure. it's got to be so infuriating for Akane to be like, not infuriating, like, fuck you, but just like, a, why does it have to be this story? Like, yeah. because of that significance. But like, why would that matter for Akane? And it's like, oh, because mm-hmm. clearly Arakawa has some connection with this story. Hmm. That story is about me. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote it. I did it all those years ago. That story is hundreds of years old it was me (laughs) and guess what i am he rips off his mask and it's skeletor (laughs) (laughs) i choose which stories are celebrated me (laughs) when i've I've mastered them all the power of grayskull will be mine yes this was an interesting rakugo but you forgot the most important element it had nothing to do with that asshole He-Man. Your Akko. root of this great Japanese storytelling form from hundreds of years ago. Your Akko would be good, but perhaps you should add more accessories to your person so you'll sell better as a toy. <laughs> also, we... you weren't a buff skeleton, so marks off of that too. <laughs> we could... We could put buzz saws attached to your body and call you Buzz Sorrow. <laughs> I don't see a marketable pun in your name. Where, what's up with that? <laughs> you haven't helped me achieve the power of Grayskull. I'm failing you. They're like, it's not. It's not school. You can't fail anybody. Akane's <laughs> like, oh man, I've let my life be defined by my dad getting rejected by this guy. Like, what was I doing? <laughs> Well, Akane pulls out that, that the sword of Grayskull and starts becoming evil. Like, I mean, I had this all the whole time. I don't He's know like, why. Look, guys, I'm sorry. I know you were all digging the rock a good thing. The story's taking a dramatic shift. I have to kill Skeletor with the sword. It's okay, now. guys. I've got to grow five feet and be really muscular and we'll all be good. <laughs> <laughs> Someone get my... Get my animal mount that turns into an armored animal mount and uh, we'll sell a bunch of toys to get through this. <laughs> I forgot. So I did watch. I watched the first half of Kevin Smith's uh, Masters of the Universe right. Revolution or Revolution. A revelation, I think. I forgot to watch um, the second half. I don't know if it's any if it's as good as I thought the first half was. I don't know. Uh, but, but I watched that and I was like, I was like, I vaguely remember the He-Man universe. Five seconds into it, the cat started talking. I was like, I remember that. I thought the cat didn't talk. I remember the cat being kind of cowardly, but I don't remember him talking. (laughs) I don't remember the cat talking either. (laughs) All right. (laughs) From that, we go to Aliens area. Just as entertaining, I'm sure. Oh, God. Chapter six. Nah, nah. (laughs) I really love you. Like, sure. I don't know what this chapter has to do with gnawing anything, but okay. This little girl likes to gnaw on his face and she starts. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Shiraku uh, is squaring off against 
Nijima, I think it was, to the Two Blades assassin guy. Uh, and uh, so he says to Tatsumi, watch the girl. And Tatsumi and the octopus butler just, like, stand there. Even though, you know, this guy's an assassin who's trying to, you know, kill the princess. And they could go take cover somewhere. Or leave them in the warehouse while Shikuma fights him. Or... Really just do anything except just fucking stand there and watch. But all right, they're going to stand there and watch. Uh, they talk for a bit, of course, because that's what assassins do. They they talk instead of taking action. Uh, the octopus butler gets cut to a billion times so that he can say, Shigama's going to lose! Uh, and the assassin guy says, You earthlings can't help being ignorant. But if you're disrespecting me, that's hard to forgive. And Shigama says, I'm ignorant and I'm underestimating you. And the new kid doesn't know anything. I want to instruct him. It kind of follows from what he said, but it kind of doesn't. It, it really annoyed me when I first read it. Uh-huh. Assassin guy gets uh, pissed off, which causes him to steam in anger through the little holes in his face. Uh... And then uh, he tries to attack Shigama with his beam thingy, which was, I guess, an intentional provocation by Shigama because he activates his anti-gravity thing. So he floats over it and then also and then disables it immediately so that when the next beam gets launched at him, he falls under it as well. So he dodges and uh, Tatsumi's like, oh, man, that laser beam, it burned a hole all the way through to the outside of the warehouse. So then they just stand there and talk to each other a bit more. Uh, as Shikiba says, I bet you're recharging. And Tatsumi says, wait, what, what do you mean? Well, the time needed to spend recharging is a weakness. This is the directional optical weapon, a beam of light. So the katana earlier was a shape memory optical weapon. And he turns to Tatsumi and says, learn the equipment now. You should know the enemy's gear. For example, each person has three. Why? It's it's equipment. Why does each person only have three? Well, because your trigger can only have so many like slots. But why don't you just carry another tool? Look, we haven't gotten that chapter yet. We just got this. Okay. So this is a tease, Nick. This is a setup. To tell oh man, exactly to engage us with the fascinating battle battle structure. And rules of this sci-fi world. Okay. So he also says, that guy's got a tube-like device, right? So he uses that with optical equipment. And Tatsumi's like, the device is a clue to the equipment? And he's like, yeah, in this case. Uh, and the flashlight thing starts to shine, so Shigama dodges. But a beam doesn't come out. Uh, and so they're like, oh, he made his equipment light up, but it was a bluff. Okay. Uh, and now the assassin guy has, um, a targeting turret thing. Like it's this little tower with like a, what looks like almost an earbud on top of it. And it shoots a tiny, like laser tracer at, at Shigama and it, it t- touches his cheek. And he's like, Oh, what is that? That's the one we never encountered on earth before. This is bad. And the assassin guy says the beam hasn't recharged yet, but it just set you as its target. And the octopus butler says, oh, no, it's a marker. Once it chooses you as its target, it'll track you automatically. You're definitely going to lose and die. 
And the assassin guy's like, yeah, my next view will follow you until it kills you. Give me the princess and I'll spare you. Why didn't he aim the beam at the princess that he's trying to kill because he's an assassin? Because he's killing Shiraku. This is his honorable fight now. But he's an assassin. Yeah, but he's like a cool assassin. Like, he's probably going to be a friend. (laughs) (sighs) So he's like, why bother protecting her? And Shigma says, "Uh, because, you know, I got to protect her until her mother planet picks up. And uh, the guy says, this is indeed Aliens Area, but you truly are ignorant. I forgot that's a name for it. And I really thought for a moment that I was reading the Twitter account that makes jokes about movie titles being inserted into movies. Like, (laughs) yes, Minions, this is the rise of Gru. (laughs) (laughs) But he says, the Butler Octopus guy is fooling you because their mother planet's already a colony. Our mission is to end the royal line to att- to prevent any attempts at revenge. No one is coming for her. Your enemies have already executed everyone in your family back home. And the princess goes. She just makes faces. Well, she, she, you know, she does what? She needs to, you know, she's getting... They gave her a translator chip for a fucking reason. (laughs) Anyway, she goes up on top of Tatsumi's head and starts chewing on his scalp while she cries. Because this is also what she does while she's upset. (sighs) Shigma tells Tatsumi to watch the girl. Uh, The octopus phone was like, you're gonna lose! And Shiraku goes, don't worry, I won't die. And he activates equipment two, two of his... Three equipments, which all people have. Three, only three equipments, I guess. I will say this. Um, This was the worst chapter of this series so far. I will not say this is the worst chapter. I I still think this series is not okay. Um, I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt. I will say this is a very curious move. Like... It almost makes me think, like, did you just want Shiraku to be the main character? In which case, why didn't you make them the main character? Because, like, he's had four straight chapters of being, like, the cool action protagonist. While our actual lead has just sat off to the side and kind of watched things. Like, yes, he does have the emotional moment here. Just like, hey, this little girl is very sad. I will protect her. That's great. But the actual character doing the cool shit is not the main character. And it just seems like very... I guess he fought the girl in the training move or whatever, but like yeah. everything that's involved with like actual antagonists has been just Shiraku, which makes me think that maybe he should have been the lead if that's yeah. what you wanted. Uh, I mean, like Tatsumi is the one who is having any form of connection with the princess. And you would think the moment where like, you know, he's talking about like, Oh, she's like as small as one of his little siblings. And, you know, she latches onto him for comfort and stuff that he's going to go and punch this guy in the face and beat him. And he's going to look cool. No, he's going to stand there and get trained by this way less interesting character. What's weird to me is this chapter felt like it it was designed to mostly tell us that there were different types of equipment and that you can go beyond equipment one and all that sort of stuff. It felt like what you easily should have done is had Shiraku still get targeted by a thing, but instead of being like, now if you get targeted, the next thing will still hit you, which isn't actually as cool of a thing. It's literally a mechanic of Jujutsu Kaisen at this point. It was also done in several manga before. So it's not like that terrifying of a move. Um, have it be something that incapacitates Shiraku, freezes him solid, you know, makes it so he is incapacitated and can't fight, is still conscious or whatever, and it becomes our lead character who does have to take over to protect. Like, 
You could still be a thing like, oh, I got caught off. Because that is still what happened. He got caught off guard and got flashed. But now he's just like, yeah, it doesn't really matter because I'm going to fucking waste you before you can ever hit me again. Whereas it could have been an opportunity to be like, all right, you're temporarily indisposed of because we got surprised by this guy. But now this is time for you to take center stage or something like that. Just like it, use it as a place for us to care about our main character as opposed to like the side mentor character, dude. Also, the entire setup of this chapter where Shiraku dodges two laser blasts and is like, he's recharging and can't attack. So I'm going to stand here and do nothing is dumb. Everyone's honorable. You know, they're all they're all like nice, 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 polite people. None. Okay. Let's talk about blue box. blue box. I don't know why my voice cracked like that. Blue, blue box. box. Chapter number 60. Let's go see it. Uh. For some reason, all of the main characters are tiny and surrounding a tennis shoe on this cover page. Yeah, well, they've they're uh, Pikmin characters. They landed on an alien planet they need to get home, but you know they can grab everyday objects and bring them back to the spaceship and repair it somehow. Also, apparently, it is Taiki's shoe because he's missing one shoe uh, in this image, uh... so they must have all shrunk down or something. And all of our important characters are there, you know? Taiki. Kyo. Kyo. Yeah. Kyo. Kyo. Hyodo. Uh, Hina. Chinatsu. The other badminton guy who I right. kind of just want to call fucking, he... uh, what's his name from Haikyuu? Right. Ta... Takana? No. Takumi? I'm going to blank on his name. Anyway, right. I don't know that character's name. I don't know his name, and I don't know the character who he reminds me of. <laughs> Tanaka. Our people are making last-minute preparations for the school festival. Taiki is being dragged around uh, as stuff gets you know, changed at the last minute, including a one teacher who just moves up uh, their performance and is like, this is one day before the event. You can't just do this. You can't. And he's like, come on. Just, just start the play 10 minutes earlier. Okay, bye. That's it. He has, it is the illusion of control. Teachers still have final say over you, I guess. Um, but uh, Taiki, you know, goes off uh, to keep on working on stuff. He spots Chinatsu on his way through the hallways. He stares at her for a bit. Uh, and then he overhears some guys talking about, Hey, hey, are you going to ask out Kano tomorrow? No. It's not like I've got a shot with her. She's busy and pretty and wouldn't look at me and stuff. I'm happy enough to watch from a distance. And it's like, yes, Taiki, that used to be how pathetic you were. Good job. You actually talked to a girl and like established a relationship with her, independent of whether you or not you wanted to date her. Good job. Anyway, some of the guys uh, pop up and are like, let's go check out the classroom, Taiki. And uh, they go inside and Taiki sees Hina in her full Snow White costume. Uh, her hair is down and she looks very pretty. And they kind of like stare at each other for, for a minute. And everyone's like, oh, man, yeah, she looks so good. Taiki, say something. And Taiki's like, I guess it's all right. Smooth. I was like actively angry when I read that. Where you're just like. You fucking piece of shit. Do you know how important this moment is to her? How can you? Just I know it's just because he's a just nervous say dork. She, just say she looks pretty. It would be appropriate in the circumstances. 
the one the thing that made me really upset is I thought he was the one who said, "Is that the best you could do?" And I was about to be like, "I'm just gonna attack him." Like I, 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 oh, yeah, I know yeah. it's unfair as an adult to attack a child, but I would do it. I, I you just have to assault this person. Like how would you say something <laughs> like that? But no, I believe that's uh, the friend saying that. Uh, Hina, of course, is just kind of embarrassed that you know she's in full frilly costume and stuff in front of the guy that she likes. So she just kind of like escapes with the excuses like i have to curl my hair so um uh her friend is suspicious that and is like i'm pretty sure taiki isn't you know just completely unfazed by this and then there's just this note that someone thinks which is it feels like something will happen at the culture festival this is a comedy romance manga probably so I did like uh, the tweet I saw, which showed the image of Hina being seen in the outfit. They're like, this is what every culture festival leads up to, is this shot right here, where the person is in like the fancy outfit. And this is a great, you know, I don't want to call it a money shot, that feels weird. But um, <laughs> this is a great focal shot, I guess. <laughs> like This is like a cool image. I, I really like it. Hmm. Uh. So we get this just very brief montage, like cutting around, seeing a bunch of different people setting up their you know shows and and stands and stuff for the culture festival. We see Chinatsu at work with uh, her basketball club, and uh, then we cut to Taiki's home the morning of the festival, and his mom sees him going out in gym clothes, and she's like, "Why?" don't you have the festival today? What are you doing? And he says, yeah, we can't use the gym during the festival. So I'm going to go out for a run. Uh, and so he heads off, goes for a jog and he passes by some public basketball courts. And of course, Chinatsu's there. She's shooting some hoops. So, you know, they've run into each other. He goes over and they start talking. Uh, and Chinatsu's like, yeah, can't use the gym. So going to get my morning practice in a different way too. Uh, and Taiki repeats something that his mom had told him when he was setting off, which was, I mean, you could have taken today off. Uh, and Junatsu's like, if you were just running, what are you talking about? Um, they both talk about how, you know, the last meet that Taiki took part in, the Batman match that he had. And Junatsu says that seeing him get really, really pumped up during his match inspired her, which catches Taiki a little bit off guard. Um, they, I think this is very cute. They start keep on talking while they're kind of casually playing basketball together. It's a, uh, you know, nice way of like, Oh, they're, you know, just hanging out and it's more dynamic than if they just stood there and talked. Um, Taiki expresses that he feels like he's still never going to, to catch up. Uh, and he feels like he's not catching up to her. And he says, I wish you'd take a few more details along the way. And Chinatsu says, I take plenty of detours. And he says, you've got basketball on the mind all the time, which doesn't seem to be something that Chinatsu expected him to say. She looks at him weird and she says, mm, hardly. And then she does. I'm not sure how to describe this shot. It looks like she does a layup, but from like a far, a long distance in a way. Uh, but there's this big freeze frame of her doing it. And uh, Taiki just says, like, she looks so cool. And she does look cool. Yeah. You can see, like, the contours in her clothes and stuff. It's really it, neat. It is. I, I feel like it's weird. I feel like we've seen 
shots like it before, but I felt I was like, have we not seen a lot of shots of Chinatsu actively playing basketball in a cool way? Like a lot of like cool fucking like shooting shots of her, layup shots and things like right. that. Right. Like this is why Taiki fell in love with her was because she looks so cool playing basketball. And yeah, it's like in this like, one, you you getting, really feel it. So. Yeah, like getting cool action shots. I was like, have we not had many? Like I know we've seen her play games, but I was like, I feel like we don't. Like, it's always just her on the court with the ball. It's like, I guess we don't really actually see her, like, doing the cool basketball things a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, Chinatsu, while Taiki is just kind of, like, lost in his thoughts, looking at her, being like, she looks so cool, um, says, hey, remember we were, you know, sitting together and we heard that band playing Beach? Yeah, that was the second year students, and they're going to hold a performance at 2 o'clock today. Let's go see it together. And... She shoots. This is kind of funny because she says this while shooting a basket. And it like she's shooting her shot, basically. Mm-hmm. And her actual shot bounces off the rim. There was like a part of me that's like, you're supposed to be pretty good at basketball. Aren't those the shots you should mostly always be hitting? Uh, I don't know a ton about basketball. There's a few different ways I could read into this. One is that Chinatsu's long shot is established as like something she is weak at. She's had multiple very important shots that she's made that have been gone in at crucial moments uh, that, you know, have sent her home unhappy. So maybe she's just bad at them. Another thing is that maybe she's not as cool and composed in this moment as I, she's putting on. I would love if the the latter is the case that like that's supposed to be a sign that she's not because that's not even that far of a shot it's in it's it's within like the court that's a two-point shot yeah. yeah so i was like she should mostly be nailing those especially like that one that, that looks like it doesn't even hit the rim it looks like it just hits the backboard and bounces off it kind of does yeah so i'm like yeah i really do like the idea that she's like yeah shooting her shot and she's actually like actively nervous doing it she just holds it together because she's not taiki who fucking like right. explodes like the second they're nervous like gotta go goodbye <laughs> I'm going trip over their feet she, said, the stairs. <laughs> she basically asks him on a date and he's like we didn't do it and runs away <laughs> falls down the stairs like trips over a barrel covers himself in glue falls to a pile of feathers gets, like gets knocked into a truck flatbed as it's driving away he's like I'll see you tomorrow <laughs> the performance is today <laughs> yeah <laughs> truck drives over a bridge and the bridge goes up you're like he's not making it back in time for that, that show oh maybe it'll be fine it's like oh wait no he's he's driving into like a haunted castle never mind you see the truck get on the highway like i don't think he's gonna be making it <laughs> um I think that honestly, Chinatsu's follow up is probably even more revealing because she f- says before Taiki can actually respond, oh, unless you're busy. Like, it's one of those like asking someone on a date, oh, unless you're busy, you know, giving them an immediate out because you're not confident. So, yeah, I do, I do like this idea that Chinatsu is, you know, nervous, but yeah, like you said, just isn't Taiki. So she seems calm all the time. Uh, she has to get going. So she's like, yeah, I'll see you at two o'clock. And Taiki's like, okay, okay. <laughs> um, it's a much more honest, restrained reaction than he had with, you know, 
any of the last several chapters where anything remotely embarrassing happened. He's just blushing and grinding his teeth together as opposed to like, I don't know, somersaulting into a hole head first. So yeah, absolutely. Good chapter. Fun stuff. Speaking of good chapters. <sighs> Doran, Doran. Chapter 30. This series made it to 30 chapters. It's throwing up Night my boy. The... Nick, we can't Night. we can't be around the bush here. He's gone. They killed him. They killed him. <laughs> Immediately. Not not since Jiraiya. Not since Port Gaz Diaz. Not since Mayhews has a death rattled. Rattled! The manga and anime community this way. It's on a top 10 list. You're like, biggest manga deaths of all time. Like Koro Sensei. L from Death Note. Take Shibibo, whatever. Whatever his name was. <laughs> it's like those three in that order going up. Those are like the big ones. You were you were closer than you would think. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I'm sorry. Kiba, take. That it was, was it. Kitaba take. Kitaba take. <laughs> this entire chapter is devoted to, to like mourning a character no one gave a shit about. There are people like visiting the like a memorial, like like the Vietnam War Memorial, like bowing in front of it because of their fallen comrade. And it's like, all right, I barely knew who that guy was. And out of the six of you mourning him, I only know who two of you are. Yeah, I was going like, to say. Like, I, don't, I don't know. I don't care that any of you are sad. <laughs> like everyone's there to kind of like kind of state different things. Like we got to do him justice. Yeah, we've got this. I'm going to surpass him. That's the only way to make him proud. I'm like. Everyone's like kind of trying to like emphasize his 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 personality, and I'm just like I don't remember anything about this dude except he was like John Cena. He's like never give up. Do 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 do. I mean, it. like at least Uji says like I'm going to surpass him. You know, he he still kind of frames it around himself mm-hmm. when it's like okay at least you show a flash of personality, but even like Tao is just like yeah we got this. Sure. <laughs> it's what happens when you make a person's entire personality is kind of weird and likes the main character and nothing else. Like God. she's supposed to be, she is literally nicknamed the berserker. Yeah. And she should be getting angry. She has an entirely calm reaction. Like she should be splitting the tombstone in half and just being like, I'll fucking kill every goddamn dude. Boy. Like just like go. What a metal damn. reaction. That would be to someone dying. Like you get so angry, you break the memorial to de- dedicated for them. How hardcore I'm would that be? Fucking kill every Mononoke I see. Just going hog wild. We'll make him proud. <laughs> we got this. We'll do it. Let's go, team. On three, go, team. Whatever. Uh, Dora also gets the news along with Kusanagi, and his reaction is. We've got to succeed, Kusanagi. And Kusanagi's reaction is, yeah. <laughs> like, what I love is like the start of it is Dora. And he shook like, Kitabataki? He, 
he's really yes and then it it just it goes the same way every conflict in like dora's life goes where he's like let's do this kusanagi and kusanagi's like sure and that's the end of it like cool let's just do it uh, we get a a really long scene <laughs> to demonstrate that the old master of the samurai is a good samurai guys look he chopped through a bunch of iron reinforced posts with his sword he's really strong okay Dora shows up he's like how'd you do that Mr. Sugara can we do that too will you show us how to chop through standing targets that can't fight back it's the, it's the coolest technique I've ever seen. If our enemies stand completely still in a straight line, we'll kill them all at once. And Sukahara says, well, I'd be happy to show you, but that doesn't mean you'll be able to do it. And Dora Kusnagi are like, ah! and he says, the best I can give you right now about how to get stronger is that you must utilize the power of the heart. By focusing on who and what you're fighting for. Sensei, you sound drunk. <laughs> oh, man, Sensei. I've never been focused on what I want to fight for. It's not like I establish it again and again every single chapter. Oh, well, if you guys both know, I'm sure you'll be super strong because you have two hearts. Oh. Yes, they're special. We get it. See if, like, three people held a sword, though, they could be even stronger, because they have three hearts. <laughs> I wish that do. was, like, Just everyone crowding, everyone crowding around Kusanagi. All right, then we'll all put our hands around him. I wish that was the bad guy power. <laughs> they just got three Mononoke that, like, like, hanging out with each other. Like, three hearts are better than that. And he's like, what about 16 hearts? And every fucking character I've ever seen in this series puts, like, a pinky on the sword and just slashes it cut through the earth everyone just rips into the sun also genshi is still not there despite the fact that it's specifically every character who's in this series <laughs> last pain um, was her like buying a magazine as the world hurdles into the sun like huh? uh, 10 days go by i'm sure they train by the way definitely people are like whatever happened to her i would like to note this the rest of this chapter is revealing that every squad basically is inside this city and we know she's part of one of the captain's squads and we still don't see her. There must have been like some editor who she must fucking have got, hated her. We, she must have gotten like canceled. That. Like somebody found a tweet of hers from like back <laughs> in like the early 2010s. She said a couple of things she thought was peace. She thought it was cool at the time. They've learned now. Like you can't really say those sorts of things. She, she was like, she was like, look, I, I just think that uh, a relationship between a human and a monarchy goes against God. And I was, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> she, 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 she was tweeting jokes. She thought they were jokes. <laughs> she recognized that she's learned from it, but unfortunately, there are some ramifications that have come from it. They, they've taken away a couple yeah. things. Yeah, she'll. It's okay. She'll get a stand-up special by the end of the month. Yeah. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> she's following. J.K. Rowling stood up for it. So. <laughs> she's just. That's where she is. She's. She's just gotten like that. That notification, and it's like J.K. Rowling is following you, and she's like trying to figure out how she feels about it because there's a lot like oh man that defined a lot of my childhood but i really don't want 
Am I? Oh, the I don't want. I don't want to be my legacy. I really, I really have. I, I if I go down this hole, I go down this hole. Like I, I can't. I can't. If I do it, I go all in. And like maybe, like maybe at a certain point, I did agree with some of the stuff. And I, oh, this really makes me. I need time off work. Uh, I need to figure out who I am <laughs> and what her, I think about other people. They took her and off. This, what it says about my soul. <laughs> they they took her off this series, but she's in like a super Christian series now, and they really push like Chinchio from Toronto on uncancelled. Which like I don't know. Like I'm I'm here with like the girl who was on Mandalorian, and like everyone says that she was good, and I don't think she was actually very good. Like I uh, so. That just makes me think that people don't actually want me to be here for who I am. It just has to do with how they feel about the people that I said bad things about. Oh, I'm going to hell. I got this is what's happening. Like I, I the, and, and I'm going to have to just live with that because all these people won't stop being nice to me for very horrible reasons. And that's bad. All right, let's finish. So that was the chapter, guys. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the chapter is uh, hold on. Uh, Jen Otsuka has also read the Shibuya arc from Jujutsu Kaisen <laughs> like the rest of us. So he's just going to do it. He's just going to do the Shibuya arc. This is a big city surrounded by a big circle and a bunch of shit gets in. We'll see what happens. Yeah, there there was a barrier. Uh, they cut it down. Uh, a team really of easily. samurai. Not since the fucking dudes in uh, WandaVision who are like, we have to protect this place. And then, like, one dude runs away, and, like, two other people are like, oh, someone bumped into me. Yeah, fuck it, I'm done. T-. And they also left you just like, this felt like there were some flaws in this 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 ancient city's defense. Uh, also, uh, um, someone betrayed the samurai, I guess. <gasps> no, one of the characters I've loved. Oh. Which one is it, Nick? Is it A, sleepy one, two, glasses one. Three, bowl cut one, four, girl, or <laughs> the other two we know. <laughs> All right, that's it. Goodbye. <laughs> All right. I've got a puzzle for you, Quinn. <laughs> okay, I'm ready for it. I'm going to get this one. I've been, I I've think been, you will. I've I been... made this one a little too easy, honestly. Okay. Well, I've surprised myself with failure before, so. All right. Papa Posterior punches platinum, prevents pruning. Oh, I know. This is Billy Gunn. It's Billy Gunn. The <laughs> the sudden but inevitable betrayal can, of Billy Gunn. Can, can we please explain this premise? This is to explain it's to you guys so <laughs> why wrestling is a beautiful thing. So there is a tag team out there called the Acclaim. And their gimmick is that one of them comes out and basically raps. And the other one is kind of like the hype man. Will you mm-hmm. say something at the end after the rap? Uh, that particular person, uh, Anthony Bowens. Bowens, that's it. Uh, he's injured. He's in a wheelchair right now. Yeah. Uh, prior to that injury, they teamed up with a tag team called the the Sun Guns. No, the, the Gun Club. The, the Gun Club, who have been nicknamed the Ass Boys because yeah. their father was named. Mr. Ass in WWE, so they called them. It was the Attitude Era. That's all you need to know. It was a dub name, but it was the Attitude Era. So, Billy Gunn comes down, pushing Anthony Bowens in a wheelchair. Max Caster, the other half of the acclaim, finishes his rap. Uh, 
and passes it off to Anthony Bowens, who basically like corrects because the other two try to like announce where they're from, but they get it wrong both times. And then Anthony Bowens does his little tag stinger. And then he has his little thing. He does like like this for the acclaimed, but then he like turns it up. And then he 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 announces to Billy Gunn. And Billy Gunn starts doing this, and he's like, Scissor me, daddy ass! <laughs> and it is more magnificent than it has any right to be it's it's so fun every time because they're just like so happy to be doing a stupid thing and we only got it like four like three or four times and then the, yeah <laughs> and daddy ass betrayed them Un- unbelievably when tensions arose between these two guys that he had managed for about a month and his own sons <laughs> he sided with his own sons and beat up the other guys i would like to note though that it was a fantastic moment in wrestling that surely can't be maybe the best moment in wrestling that includes the fact that they had a gigantic pay-per-view like that weekend um and and to cap it all off while he was betraying them and beating them up anthony bowens tried to get daddy asked to scissor him and he denied it and beat him up like the sad moment scissor me daddy ass <laughs> <laughs> and he beat him up for it. It was like, oh, your stupid thing that you bonded over has been broken. That makes me <laughs> like sad. I'm crying over the scissor me daddy ass thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that was what that puzzle was. That's all an about. excellent puzzle. Excellent. Uh, ten out of ten. I had to strike while the iron was hot on that one. So, <laughs> all right. PPP PPP Chapter Forty Entry. Uh, and we get a note on this one that this uh, chapter was prepared with the cooperation of Senzoku Gakuen College of Music. So presumably a lot of the stuff that you see uh, in this chapter is they're setting up the performance like that is like the actual university uh, that uh, they're that is being drawn. So time passes. We don't see the continuation of of the uh, meeting between the two teams where they announced who was going to be performing what and or anything that happened in their interactions from there. Uh, We just see a very, very brief uh, montage of both teams preparing and performing and for their performances. And then we catch up with Lucky, who uh, is, uh, you know, finishing up at a class he's attending. And uh, he is uh, he says to himself after having been talking to some people, that was the last person. Uh, and he checks like something on his phone. Presumably there's something he's got in the works that we don't get to see just yet. Uh, and uh, he also goes and visits his mom because he's a good boy like that. Yes. Uh, festival before graduation day is now about to begin. We cut from Lucky over to Fanta. And Fanta is thinking about, you know, the meeting that he had with Lucky's team. And he's like that he had like a totally different vibe from before. He was wearing long sleeves. Like, what was with that? But uh, he also just then he just looks in the mirror and he's like, but it'll be good. I'm looking good today. as always <laughs> totally fine. Um, an assistant. uh calls from outside the door and he says oh yeah we were conducting tests on the scoring monitor and other equipment so we're all fine uh fanta says 
Are you my new manager? Yeah, I, I'm I'm Wolfa Shishida, which is an interesting name. And Fanta says, oh, okay, thanks for checking the monitor. Uh, go to a hair salon. Which Wolfa's just like, oh, okay. It's so fucking mean. Like, <laughs> go get a haircut. It's so He's like, not even like, I'll pay for it. Just like, get your shit together. You're a fucking mess. I'm not letting you stand next to me. Uh, and he even thinks to himself, I was like, don't, don't be around me while you look like that. Just, you ruined my image. Uh, Sora Chica comes by, uh, and says, oh yeah, I'm sure that you and Lucky are going to have interesting performances. He's all smiles, which weirds Fanta out a little bit. And then he also says, I didn't know we were staying at the same hotel. (laughs) You have no awareness of anyone else around you. Jeez. We cut to the university. We get, you know, this big introduction from an MC talking about uh, about the four on four piano battle. And they lay out the rules and say a performer from Team A and one from Team F will both play the same piece. And after each battle, all 1000 audience members cast their votes for the team they liked the most. Every round will be a fight for a thousand votes. The team with the most votes after four battles will be declared, which I think is important to establish because it means not only are individual contests important, but also margins of victory are important. So there could be like three close battles that go in favor of Team F. And then if Team A gets a total sweep, then Team A wins. Yes. It's, a, it's uh, interesting. Uh, and we basically just see very small flashes before the big reveal of uh, the different competitors who are all in their special performance uh, competition outfits. Uh, And then we cut backstage to where Lucky is thinking to himself and he says, like, this is going to be my first time quarreling with my siblings. It's not. I've done it several times, but it's the first time. This is is villain Lucky, I guess. No, no, no. This is a quarrel. This is a quarrel. The other times were just competitions. This is a quarrel. Okay. Okay. It's a good, good delineation. We get this big two-page spread of the two teams being introduced. This spread is awesome. Anyone, it's cool. Anyone who tells you that like the art PPPPP is bad, I would like no. I look at this and I'm like, you're wrong. Like, there's so much character in this. Like, I know someone would be like, oh, just look at my mint in her face. I'd be like, it's fucking beautiful. There's so much style. There's so much everything going on in this shot. I also want to note, I read this on my phone. And this two-page spread works so great, actually broke it up in half because there's Mm. almost nothing that carries on from one panel to the next. So actually the transition between them is super smooth and striking. Yeah. And you get a really good feel for, you know, the the personalities of the different people involved. Uh, And (laughs) Font is just like, I am me and I'm here. And Sorachik is playing kind of coy. And then you can just see in her eyes that there is that evil there still. And uh, mask. Yep. <laughs> the mask is not as cool from this angle. It might be a different mask. It is a different mask than the previous one. I like the other one better. Uh, and everyone gets this big introduction with, you know, their own like special accomplishment or title named. Uh, and then we get the MC just saying that the first two people to battle are these two, but we don't get to find out. Well, no, wait, Spotlights yeah, are shining. It's, it's Ray Jero and, Ray uh, yeah. So there we go. Yep. Uh, I like, to note, 
Uh, only one person has a title, and it's Rajiro, who is the Sonic Roar. And I'm like, that's horseshit. Every one of these characters should have had a goofy, over-the-top, like, stupid nickname. Every single one of them. Like, they all have their little things, but every single one of them should have been the Sonic Roar or some horseshit that's along those lines. Like, the fucking Mistress of the Fairy Forest. Like, just over-the-top nonsense the fact that there's some who just have a normal ass fucking introduction in fact almost all of them i was like mm, this is a knock against you shonen manga you should have gone to the fucking utmost extreme they should have been like the count of monte fisto maloli yamanaka but fists are punter music in this sense <laughs> uh yeah so here we go yeah good stuff all right, Nick, let's talk about Mashal Magic and Muscles, Chapter 115, Finn Ames and the Twin Gate Guards. So it turns out Finn actually was with the rest of the group. We just didn't really yes. see it last time. Uh, Lance, or not Lance, uh, Rio Grant's like, here is our final battle. Look above you to the castle floating in the sky. And there's a bunch of dragons floating. He's like, monsters swarm the skies above their stronghold. Just getting there will be a challenge. Any number of us could die along the way. Men, it's time to show me what you're made of. Yeah. And they all just fly up on their brooms. And and like, in a straight line. Yeah. <laughs> really and, like, and the dragons don't bother them at all. And they're like, well, that was easy. <laughs> Uh, Dot goes to be like well that was super easy let's just walk straight in and jams his foot like supremely jams it on a fucking invisible barrier like it looks like it almost erases his his toes so if if it didn't that seems monumentally painful how much his toes had to they basically sent them like like fucking L's Um, like yeah there's the (laughs) There's a, a way to, like, there's no way around this barrier. And Ryu goes, curses. Now we can't get inside. If only we had someone whose magic could very specifically switch people's places with their own. And Lance is like, doesn't your magic specifically change people's places with others to uh, Finn? So Finn is very nervous. He's like, you want me to go out there and, like, secure a route from the inside on my own? Me all by myself? They're like, yeah, look, this is really hard. And Finn's just like, no, 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 no. Uh, and Ryu's just like, how convenient that this goblin was taking a walk so you could swap with him. <laughs> like, this is going to be super, that's how we did it. This is great. Um, they're like, no, there's no way. Like, it just won't happen. I'm almost certainly going to die. And Order's like, it's okay. You don't have to. You can just stay there and wait while all of us die. <laughs> it's it's like also a veiled threat, but I also just like how deadpan it is too. I'm just like, yeah, we're all gonna die. Uh, so Finn goes out and he wanders through the woods and he finds this gate. He's like, cool. I find that. I open that, and and then before he can think, this bunch of like slashes strike him, and these two guards show up and they're like, yes, we're Andy and Windy, and we are the gate guards, and. Finn like looks at them and he's like, "Oh, they're like, oh, we're gonna fight back." And he's like, "Nope, I give up. Please don't kill me." Goodbye. He jumps off the ground and does like a triple axle, then somersaults back down into a groveling pose. Yeah, and the guards are like, "Wow, he surrendered to us so easily. Like, I, I would never want to kill a weenie like this. Like, and he's literally scooting backwards, bowing, like, like 
I don't know how he's doing it, but he's zooping backwards while staying in a bowing <laughs> position. He's like, sorry to bother you. Goodbye. Um, and it just cuts to Finn, basically like cowardly walking back. And he's like, phew. Well, anyway, I'm glad that ha- like that sucks that happened. But, you know, sorry to disappoint everybody, but I could never beaten those guys. It just wouldn't have worked. And, you know, it should be fine. You know, I'll just tell them there's no other entrance. Yeah, that's what I'll do. And it, you know, cuts to Rio just being like, I know there's a lot to ask of you, but only you could save the world. And he's like, yeah, you know, the world's all good and well, but it will matter to me if I'm dead. And it cuts over to Ash, or um, Ash being like, boy, am I relieved to have a great friend like you, as a great guy like you as a friend. He's like, you know, it's, it's not like I could even win. And it just keeps cutting to all of these different things. And... He even thinks, like, maybe if I cry and apologize, you know, maybe if I give them something. Oh, I don't have any candy. He's reaching in my pocket and he drops something. And he picks it up. And it's a picture of him and MASH and all the uh, all the other, like, regular characters when they went out to that festival. And it's him thinking, like, oh, I really had fun. I never had gone out with friends before. Let's Let's go back sometime. And he just starts gritting his teeth as he thinks back to all those good moments together. And he's like, what am I doing? What in the world do I think I'm doing? And he runs back. Andy and Wendy are still there. They're playing tic-tac-toe. <laughs> uh, this is this is a tangent. I'm sorry. Uh, there's a TikTok uh, account. And this robot, they make draw things. And I don't know why. This is maybe the funniest robot in the world. It's They teach it to play tic-tac-toe. So the human will go first and it'll draw its X and the robot will be like, rrr, 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 rrr. and it'll always get to the point where the human definitely has like a tic-tac-toe because the robot puts like the robot sees like, ah, I'm not going to be able to block this. And the robot always finds a way to make itself win. So one time it goes off the board to do a diagonal of its own things. But my favorite was one time <laughs> like X's was about to win. So it just drew in the third X. And Cross <laughs> was like, you know, if you do it with that much confidence, I would let you win the game. <laughs> like if you just came in like, burr, burr, burr. <laughs> I win. It's mine. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, Finn shows up and basically it's like, oh, I'm going to do this even if it kills me. Uh, these guys are very, very fast, though. They're so fast that, you know, Finn can't even really see them. So he can't even use his magic on them. They're like, yes, even the human field of vision is, you know, at best 100 degrees. And even that's only for a brief time. We'll instantly be in your blind spot. There's no way to dodge what you can't see. And, you know, uh, Finn's just like, oh, just come at me. And they're like, we got you. And then they slam into each other. And they're like, what? How did he do it? And they look and they see Finn is holding like a shard of a mirror in his hand. They're like, wait, he he used a stone and broke off a fragment of my head blade to use it as a mirror to cover his blind spot. Finn just says, sometimes what you have to overcome is the belief that you can't do it, but I will with my fist. And he has seemingly defeated these uh, these two characters. Yeah, good for Finn. Yeah. He did a thing. It's yeah. very much like a, a cool little Usopp moment of like, I can't be this cowardly. I can't. Like, it's great. I, I love him. Yeah. And there was nice jokes along the way, too. Yeah. So. All right. Let's do the Elusive Samurai. Chapter 70. Naming 1335. We get a special color page on this one. Uh, Tokyuki and Ayako are going diving. Very very colorful and pretty and uh 
what is very obviously Koro Sensei uh, is at the uh, bottom of this uh, body of water that they're in because this is commemorating the 10 year anniversary of Assassination Classroom. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh,. The battle with uh, Kukukushi Kiyohara uh, is over, and uh, Hoshina's forces come riding back to their troop carrying his head because, yeah, they did fucking cut it off last chapter. Um, immediately, like a bunch of the remains of Kuk- the Kukuchi's forces just run away. We do specifically see uh, them freeing the slaves that were in the siege engine. Yay, that's good. Uh, and then they just fucking set it on fire. <laughs> um, so Ichikawa's forces are in shambles. Satomuni's army has been has been routed. Uh, and at this point, Yoroshige announces to the army, OK, we, we, we've pursued them far enough, which people are expressing. They're like, well, shouldn't we finish this? But Yoroshige says, if we keep on applying pressure and pursuing after them, they're going to switch to a defensive motion and it's going to be very, very difficult for us to actually kill them. So there's no point in us pursuing this. We've completed our objectives and they give everyone, they rub some this big cheer, happy times. It's time for a celebration. Uh, we cut to a few different uh, sequences where different characters are celebrating in their own way. Uh, Kojiro is celebrating with the soldiers that he bonded with before continuing the callbacks with them. Um, I hope that that sword that is held at his face is um, not sharp because <laughs> it's bad. Um, and, uh, you know, Hoshina and God, I can't remember this lieutenant's name. They're celebrating with Tokiyuki uh, and like parading around with him while they're both clearly drunk. Uh, but the, we get narration saying, like, oh, yeah, you know, it was a big celebration preparation everyone was reveling in their victory but the following morning everyone was sober and they were worried once again because they got their revenge but now they've killed the imperial courts kakushi which is an open rebellion against the emperor so armies from all over are going to come and suppress them they're wondering if they're going to be killed uh we cut to where sadamuni is and he is spying on the enemy forces to uh he's like look i i have to figure out what's going on here because the sua army is moving in a very strange way they're not pursuing us they're not dispersing they're just drifting to the south and it seems like there is a secret purpose to this battle and sure enough yorishige leans over to tokyuki and says it's time to reveal your identity soldiers from shinano have rallied to me but your name is crucial for attracting support from elsewhere so he rides up onto a hill, light shining behind him or possibly from him. And he says, we've defeated Sadamune, thus ending the battle under my leadership. Uh, and everyone's still depressed. They're like, we won one battle, but this is still really bad. But Yoroshige announces that their commander is going to change now. And he introduces Chojumaru. And he says, look, for two years, he has been toiling for the people of Shinano he killed Shokan two days ago. Yesterday, he helped us in slaying the Kakushi. And now this esteemed personage. This esteemed personage. All right. Why do you talk like that? Will now declare himself to both friend and foe. And uh, Genba, meanwhile, has the Tengu tied up next to him. He's like, hey, it's time for you to learn the truth. Uh, 
and Tokiyuki stands on top of the hill while Yorishige and his generals all bow deeply to him. And he says, Tokiyuki says, anyone who wishes to return to Shinano may do so. And I'll understand. However, if you wish to come with me after knowing my identity, you may accompany my advance. And he takes a deep breath and says, listen, one and all lay your eyes upon me while we cut over to Ichikawa and Sunmune because he wants them to hear too. And he calls out saying, my lineage descends from Emperor Kanmu to Gazusa, no Suke Taiga, no Naokata's great-grandchild, and Lord Miyamoto Noriyoritomo's father-in-law, Hojo Shiro Tokimasa. And it's just like that. He just calls out all these names, all these names in his lineage uh, in order. And as he gets into it, people get more and more and more shocked. Like, oh, okay, so so he's he's part of the Hojo lineage, but... Well, surely he, he must be like part of a branch family because there were so many descendants that, that Tokimasa had. Uh, but as he keeps on going, he keeps we get this graphic of the line being followed down, down the direct line from his great-grandfather to his grandfather to his father. And as he keeps on following it, he recites out their accomplishments and who they were. Until as he's getting up to it, and now everyone's like, that. wait, this can't be. It, he can't be part of the main family and Tokiyuki declares himself the first son of Hojo Takatoki. I am known to some as Sagami no Jiro and to others. I am Hojo Tokiyuki. And we get this big two page spread of the emblem of the Hojo behind him shining out and the rays of its power branching out and dividing up the crowd into different panels so we can see everyone's reactions to this. Most people in just shock. There is a nice little detail where we see his uncle is just subtly smiling and he's got a tear in his eye, which is nice to see him, you know, behaving subtly for once. Uh, And everyone's like, holy shit, the Hojo heir lives. Small correction, uh, that is actually the Triforce from the uh, famous Legend of Zelda franchise, which I believe... Which, as we all know... Is completely original. I believe this does imply that Ganondorf is somewhere involved in this universe. Uh, Maybe just Ganon, maybe not the full wizard mode at this point, but Ganon, Mm -hmm. some kind of necessary evil is in this universe. uh, And that is probably the force that has sort of taken over uh, Takuji or whatever his name was. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, you know, the, the the emblem of the Hojo may be, you know, hundreds of years old, but I mean, like the Triforce is something that is, you know, yeah, it came down when the gods created the world. Existences, yeah. like multiple timelines. In fact, so. I believe when the world was made, Din, oh fuck, what are the three gods? Din, Aurora. Uh, what was it? Aurora. Aurora, and then it's like n- n- something. Eru? No, Eru. that's not right. Eru. You're it just is. making a sound. Do Din, Feror, Neru. When you say Neru, it sounds like you're making the sound that the frog does, or the, the, the one Zora does in Ocarina Time, where you have to have him move so you can get to Lord Jabu Jabu's building. He's like, Neru. 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 I'm sorry, I'm a child. Uh, it's a good that is a great sequence, by the way. Yeah. 
People joke people joke about that scene and how long it goes on. It's beautiful. Change yeah. nothing. My dude just he's like, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna move over one butt cheek at a time, and you're just gonna watch me do it. <laughs> I'm the emperor. Shut up. <laughs> so yeah, Tokuyuki's declared himself. Gamba turns to the tank and is like, and you didn't know that? Ha ha. And then Sadamune gets up and is like, I'm gonna kill that kid. <laughs> and that's it. Great chapter. Yeah. Loved it. Pretty good. All right, we're going to wrap this up. We're going to wrap this up. A new follow-up? I don't know what you would call it. Chainsaw Man's back. It's it's listed as chapter 98, so it's... Even though this is kind of supposed to be Chainsaw Man Part 2, it is just going to continue to follow in the normal sequential ordering of chapters. Yeah, uh, a little bit, a little bit like JoJo, kind of. So. And we did ask our audience uh, yep. if they want us to live read this or not, and overwhelmingly they were like, hey, "Why don't you guys read it?" All right, yeah. I'm not here to watch you monkeys figure it out in the, in the heat of this. And thank God, because this is a this chapter's a trip. Yeah, like I think when we talked about that last week, I think that we were, I mean, we have read all of Chainsaw Man at this point, and we've read you know Tatsuki Fujimoto's other other stuff. We know how weird he can be, but holy shit, um, in no universe was I predicting that the return of Chainsaw Man would begin with a headless chicken wearing a bow tie saying, my name's Bucky. I'm excited to befriend you all. Buck, buck. And it's just a headless chicken as we are introduced. It's we're it's a high school class. This headless chicken is friendly introducing itself on a teacher's desk. As we're introduced to the chicken devil, Bucky. Um, and I am ashamed to admit it wasn't until a little after I had finished reading this chapter. I was like, oh, his name is Bucky because chickens go buck buck. Yes. <laughs> so the teacher says in three months, you kids are going to kill and eat Bucky because so, I want you to understand how precious life is, <laughs> which I guess Bucky wasn't clued in on ahead of time because he says, what the clock? Um, so everyone, of course, is like, I can't believe there's like freaking a devil in our class, but it's just like a headless chicken. Holy shit. They also immediately are like, I mean, nobody's afraid of chickens, so I guess it's a weak devil, which, yes, makes sense. I mean, I'm sure that there are people who are afraid of especially headless chickens, but it's not like, you know, people who are afraid of bladed weapons or whatever so um and uh bucky is terrified by this because he says i don't want to get eaten if you eat me i'll die which it did occur to me like so is it just when chainsaw man eats devils that they vanish forever or is he just talking about him dying in this one instance this one iteration is it just like when power died basically like she'll be reborn eventually. Yeah. Because so he's if, being eaten. It, well, yeah. It, it's only when Chainsaw Man eats them. That's what I thought. Yeah. Because okay. Chainsaw Man had the ability to erase devils, essentially. Right. Everyone else, when they just die, they go back to hell and reform. What is this class? Like, how did this teacher do this? It's just like, yeah, I just got a devil for us to kill and eat. Well, as we uh, find out, this is a very extra normal class like super normal super normal uh we are introduced to our main character of the chapter 
uh, who is this morose looking girl who just wants everyone to drop dead because they're frustrating and she is a teenager. Uh, I forget her name at this moment because her name isn't spoken just yet. But uh, she goes outside and is just like, you know, complaining about like everyone being annoying and having to deal with this weird like chicken devil in her class. The class president uh, comes outside and spends time with her, eats her lunch with her. They talk about a bunch of the merchandising that's going on with the Chainsaw Man, which, of course, we knew as established at the end of part one. The Chainsaw Man is like a superhero celebrity now. Um, but uh, she the, the girl, the morose girl talks about how this town sucks that they're in. A lot of the buildings were constructed illegally. The mayor has a DUI and a devil called Chainsaw Man is playing devil hunter, <laughs> which Given everything else, I feel like that's the least of your concerns. But and she's just like, I wish that they just die. It sucks. Uh, and we see a bunch of moments of the class bonding with Bucky, uh, you know, like being like Bucky being like, I don't know what the, how to solve this problem. And it was like, ha ha ha, Bucky. Ha 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 ha. Uh, and then the class president tries to feed him some chicken. And he's like, that's cannibalism, which is fat. <laughs> I was just really annoyed by this. <laughs> a bunch of people have noted that, like this is the exact relationship Nick has with Quinn once Halloween month comes around. <laughs> this girl is my spirit animal. Like she, her and reaction. I, and I was just like, Buck, you're putting too much work into these jokes. Why don't you just <laughs> force it? Just take a hammer to every one of these words you want to put in and just start going to town. It's me, Buki. <laughs> exactly. There you go. You got it. Uh, and as this is happening, you can also see that people are getting much, much more affectionate with Bucky. Like there are a lot more instances of like uh, the class president, like holding him in her arms and stuff. And eventually it gets to a point where three months have passed of Bucky being in the class. And uh, the teacher says, all right, guys been three months uh so now it's time to kill bucky so any of you who have devil hunter aspirations why don't you step forward and you know kill him okay and bucky looks all sad and our morose girl cups her is just looking on in satisfaction as she's like finally the class president stands up which makes her she's like huh wait what the fuck but she says the whole class talked it out and we've decided we won't eat Bucky. We eat living things. We can't deny that. But Bucky isn't a chicken or a devil to us anymore. Bucky is our friend. And Morose Girl's like, what the fuck is going on? What is this? <laughs> you better eat that goddamn chicken. And the teacher says, that's just what I wanted to hear. Bucky is pardoned and will continue to live as a member of the class. And Bucky's like, ah! and everyone's celebrating and happy. Oh, as your teacher, I didn't want you to take life lightly. Not even a devil's. I'm so proud of you kids for learning this lesson. Forget math class. Let's go outside and play soccer. <laughs> I want to know what this chicken was like in the normal day-to-day -day life of this class. Because I feel like it's funny when you see like the highlights. But I can't imagine their time being like, all right, kids, come on. We have to learn about it today. He's like, we're talking about the Bacolacost. He's just like, <laughs> Bucky, 
No, it's a time nor place for this. God damn it. <laughs> or just any of the other moments where he was just like, please don't eat me. Please. <laughs> As Panic is setting in. There at home, he's just like, now look. I know it says chicken stock is used for the recipe, but you can put it in a lot of things. <laughs> Have you ever thought about going vegan? <laughs> so everyone goes outside and plays talking soccer. talking about the economy and how the world's falling <laughs> apart and just like, well, that e- explains a lot of things. This is all the kid in the classroom crying like, we have no future. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then, of course, just outside the window, future rules. <laughs> the future's <laughs> <laughs> That's the great stinger in the background of rules. <laughs> Fuck, man, I want the future devil to show up again. Tries to tries to bond with like the shy kids in class. Come on, guys, you gotta come out of your eggshells. I can't fucking wait to eat you, Bucky. Fuck you. <laughs> the other class, like they like they go to their like other friend in the same uh, like in a different homeroom, and they're like, "What devil did you guys get?" Future devil. <laughs> We're killing him. He's dying at the end of the year. <laughs> Bethany, I don't give a shit that Beth- after the I don't give a shit that we won't live to see tomorrow. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Bethany's about to have her period in five, four, three, two, the future rules. <laughs> and we're like, oh, I hate you, future devil. I hate you so goddamn much. <laughs> Jonathan, your favorite show's about to get canceled. The future rules. Like, goddamn. Oh. What? Stranger Things, but it made so much money. <laughs> your favorite. It's on Netflix. Nothing is safe. Your favorite celebrity is going to endorse NFTs. Like, God, no. Goddamn you. <laughs> no. Hmm. All right. So, our morose girl stays inside while literally everyone else plays soccer. Eventually, she just, like, wanders around by herself uh, and just sits by herself. The teacher's like, don't you want to join in? No. High school's more fun with friends. I'm here to study. I'm not here to make friends. So, she's a load of fun, basically. The class prez comes over and is like, hey, come play soccer with us. And she, again, she's like, no, no. And then Bucky flies over to her. And leaps into her arms. And I think this is the first time her name gets spoken in this entire chapter. And Bucky says, Asami Taka, come out of your shell. I, I did that and forgot that he actually did this pun. And play soccer with me. Uh, and Mitaka, and this is the reason we haven't heard her name so far, is like, only the class president and the teacher even ever remember my name. And she looks down at Bucky in her arms and she looks at her classmates who are all waving to her. And she thinks about the different things that she's seen before that disgusted her before. And she reflects on them as like, oh, I was jealous of them because they were friends and could get along and stuff. So she runs over to join her classmates and she trips and falls while still carrying Bucky in her arms and crushes Bucky and kills him. Now, 
Bucky was made of paper mache because I understand that fall <laughs> could be very, very dangerous. My dude explodes, like fucking explodes, like guts shoots out. And I'm like, yeah, from her, a fall, his like... intestines are on her. Yeah. So Bucky was very, very fragile. And uh, his little bow is like is falling down and stuff. And everyone's just like staring at his bleeding corpse Everyone is in shock and starts crying. Some children collapse to their knees, uh, throw themselves on the ground. Mitaka is just unable to cope with this, and she throws up while fainting, um, which is certainly a reaction. And she thinks to herself something very bad, uh, like, oh, if if, if a student had to die, they would all want me to die, basically. So they make a little grave for Bucky. Leave way too many flowers for this chicken. <laughs> a lot. Uh, Mitaka goes to school, and when she comes in, all of her classmates are staring at her. So Mitaka, you know, like goes back to cl- goes back home, and she's just like, oh, "I just want to die. This is horrible." And then there's a knock at her door. And so she gets up and answers it. And uh, we immediately cut to a scene of her following the teacher and the class president to visit Bucky's grave. And immediately alarm bells, of course, went off in my brain because it's like, don't follow just two people in the middle of the night anywhere. Don't do that. Unless they're literally your best friends is very suspicious. He's very weird. So they're like, yeah, let's, we're going to go and visit Bucky's grave. And, you know, three, I'm sure that Bucky will forgive us in heaven if the three of us apologize together. So they're acting like it's going to be this thing to like help set her consciousness at rest when really like that's not the only thing that needs to be solved anyway. And the impetus for what happens next is very weird, but it just goes to show how on Holding on to, you know, the very, very thin veneer of niceness that they had was Mitaka doesn't cross the street with them because the the crossing signal is red. And everyone's like, I mean, it's night. There's no cars. But their teacher's like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. You should always obey traffic signals. Yeah, it's good. And the class president has a reaction, which is to just go. All right, fuck you, bitch. You always do this. You're you're such a fucking goody two shoes. And then she says, hey, did you know that Mr. Taka apologized for Bucky's death to the whole class on your behalf? Did you know he's the one who told me to befriend you? And her body starts to swell up and shift around. Do you, Mr. Tanaka, likes you even though he's having sex with me? All right. Uh, I did not need to know that, but I'm glad that I do know it because of the horrible things that are about to happen to both of you. (laughs) So she turns into a fucking giant ass demon with multiple heads uh, and is seemingly made entirely of intestines, it looks like. And she says, I made a contract with the justice devil to find out how to reach my happy ending with Mr. Tanaka. And I just need you to die. 
which I guess is a version of justice. Sure. Sure. So she immediately leaps back across the street, tries to kill Mitaka. Uh, you know, she's crumbling the gravel around her and she says, I got to kill you. Nothing I try worse because you're alive. And you know what the justice devil said to me? Trip her. She'll fall and crush Bucky. Which I don't know how she managed that given the the angles. Like, she tripped her from like four feet away before she fell down and crushed Bucky. And how so no impressive, one would have noticed that? Like, no. no one would have been like, hey, did you just trip her? She killed Bucky, dude. Like, that's crazy. What the fuck? Yeah. No, we all saw it. What yeah. the hell? <laughs> dude, you're going to jail. <laughs> yeah. So Mitaka, you know, is knocked off of her feet by the floor crumbling around her. She swipes at her with a giant claw and... As she's about to die, Mitaka thinks to herself, at that moment, I felt oddly relieved. Oh, I wasn't responsible for Bucky's death. Oh, the class president was jealous of me, too. Oh, it must be like that for everyone. Everyone's jealous of somebody. If I had known, I could have had a better life. Maybe I could have had friends or even a boyfriend. I wish I'd tried living just a little more selfishly. She's thinking all this as literally we see her face get clawed and split open and she falls to the ground and like her brain matter and eye fall, eyes fall out of her face. But her eyes are still connected to her brain. And in the brief moment before she just completely dies, one of her eyes looks up and sees a pair of eyes above the traffic light that she obeyed before looking down at her and the eyes are connected to a weird furry thing that says, if you want to live, your body will be mine. And she has just enough of a moment to think who, and then her body lurches back up off the ground, fully intact. And the class president is like, what didn't I just fucking kill you? Mitaka says Tanaka spinal cord sword and rips the teacher's head out of his body, trailing his spinal cord beyond his neck. And he's still alive and in agonizing pain as his spinal cord is turned into a fucking sword. Mitaka, who now has facial scars that make her look badass as hell from where her face got split open, says, what the hell am I? My name is War Devil. Ta die for my warm-up kill. And she has a sword made from her teacher's spinal column. The Justice Devil class president tries to kill her. Her arm gets chopped off immediately. Mitaka catches her hand and declares hand grenade and squishes it into a hand grenade made of weird sinew. And <sighs> she lunges towards her with her remaining arm, Mitaka dashes in, cuts through her, bisects her body. And as the class president screams out for the teacher, his head, which is still attached to the sword, um, gets put in front of one of her faces and they kiss. While Mitaka tosses the arm hand grenade behind her body and says, there. A happy ending and everything explodes behind her <laughs> yep. which of course made me think of one of fujimoto's one shots because of walking away from the explosion yeah absolutely all this gore just and violence happens behind mitaka 
she looks at uh, a poster for Chainsaw Man on the wall for what it seems to be a public appearance that Denji might make, I think. Because there's like a party, right? Time. It looks yeah. like people are going to try to call out to him. Oh, okay. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, and she looks at the poster and says, just you wait, Chainsaw Man. I'll make you vomit nuclear weapons back up. And she just sits de- back on like a throne of the Justice Devil's body while she says this. So we got basically a full chapter dedicated to a villain origin, it seems like. And <laughs> it was pretty damn cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty crazy. Um, <laughs> it is. It's a little weird because like. I finished reading the chapter and there is just a moment where you're like, yeah, that's Fujimoto. Like, yeah, (laughs) I feel like I didn't have the exact amount of shock I should have had because I've just become very accustomed to reading Fujimoto's style where you're just like, yeah, totes. That's exactly what the like when she's like, I'm going to take my teacher's severed head and spinal spinal column, turn it into a sword and cut through my friend who is a demonic monster and you're just like, yep, that's what I, yep, okay. <laughs> you just go along with it. Someone pointed out that um, the war devil was name dropped by Makima uh, at some point during one of her big things, you know, where she stated her reason for doing stuff. And she said, you know, justified herself by saying, you know, wouldn't life be better if humans didn't have to worry about things like disease and war and death so there's you know a question of like oh did she actually like name entities that we're going to actually see in the future basically in this series um maybe maybe it's just gonna be war but uh we'll see i do really like uh just the entire this was a good chapter, but I really just loved everything that Mitaka did once she got her powers. She looks really cool doing stuff. She does ridiculous things uh, and it's great. So I hope we see a lot of her. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it, look. this is a good chapter. Um, I am curious to see what happens. And I I'm excited we have Chainsaw Man back. It is definitely a different tone and everything else now this series isn't weekly correct i don't know yeah i don't do we know a, a, an exact schedule for it or anything at this point i'll see if it's on the uh chapter schedule here real quick because i would be curious because i, was I, like, know, I assume we're not getting weekly chapters i assume that's why it's no longer John. uh chainsaw man in chapter two is scheduled for next tuesday okay so. it might be weekly for a while i assume at some point it's eventually gonna go like bi-weekly or or get some kind of different schedule that way it's uh, not as grueling for fujimoto we'll we'll see it's gonna be hard to tell because um after that there's just gonna be like a break um so it'll be a little while i think before we actually understand it's very it's yeah. regular schedule so very understandable but holy shit chainsaw man's back yeah (laughs) all right well that is gonna do it let's let's wrap this episode up let's head home yeah favorite series and mvp hit me uh favorite series i just gotta think of everything we talked about Uh, 
I guess I will give it to Chainsaw Man. There was a lot of really good stuff this yeah. week. I want to acknowledge that. Uh, Undead Unluck was really good. Kaiju Number 8 was really good. Uh, uh, Kane Banashi. Uh, Blue Box, very, very strong. I would probably say Blue Box, if not for the fact that Chainsaw Man not only you know came back this week, but was insanely good in its week back. Mm-hmm. Um, so for that reason, I'm going to say Chainsaw Man as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my MVP, I'm going to give to Billy from Undead Unlock. It was a great like mm-hmm. show back up, cool moment. I liked Finn, obviously, from Mashal as well. It was a great moment. I think Finn's moment maybe is going to be followed up on a little bit more maybe next week. If not, it's still great and totally understand that people vote for him. I think I'm going to give it to Billy because I was legitimately like, holy shit, yeah, Billy showed up and it's a very cool moment. I'm going to give mine to Hoshina because he was a cool instructor guy uh, and uh, he was just really cool in this chapter and very supportive and nice. So Totally understand that. And that's going to do it. Uh, the audience, by the way, picked Chainsaw Man as their chapter of the week, so that's a clean sweep. And then Finn from Mashable Magic versus Muscle, or Magic and Muscles, for MVP. Totally understand. Unbelievably, it wasn't just fucking Bucky. Like <laughs> I am actually surprised. There's a lot of Bucky votes, some for Tokiyuki, uh, some for War and Chainsaw Man. Uh, but yeah, and not about Bucky, apparently. All right, guys, that is going to do it for Weekly Manga Recap. We want to thank you guys for joining us. We record the show here on twitch.tv slash live starting on Wednesdays uh, in the evening at about 7.30 Eastern Time. Uh, if you want to check out our past episodes, you can also go to weeklymagarecap.podbean.com, iTunes, Spotify for the audio version, and youtube.com slash recap for the video version. The video version also has an introduction made for us by the wonderful Wensleydale Cheddar and Milo Jack Stillitz, and occasionally also has title cards done by Steve Mann, whose artwork you can find at twitter.com slash Art, and generally anywhere that boobs are allowed to be drawn. Your hosts can be found on Twitter as well, at Reloti, at Nick F. Time, and the podcast account is at Demar Podcast, which if you follow you can get updates on when the show is going live. You can also get those from our Discord server if you join onto that. And also just participate in conversations with the rest of our community about the chapters that are coming up, the series that we're currently taking as a recommendation. Use it to find the Google Doc maintained by Ninja X3i and uh, see what other stuff we've done in the past and check out uh, what kind of stuff you can add into to say, hey, I want you to do this as a recommended series. There's a very long list of stuff people have asked us to get to if you add your vote to it it might influence us to check it out a little bit sooner and uh that should be it patreon.com slash weekly manga recap if you want bonus material we recorded a bonus episode just this past week yes, so that one should be going up this weekend hopefully mm. that's it let's let's get yes. out of here let's go home let's, let's okay cozy up yeah i'm wearing pajama pants and that's not nearly comfy enough oh, so what what's more comfy than pajama pants no pants Fair enough. All right. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>